Hello and welcome to this episode of So Talking Health. I'm Cathy Bishop, medical herbalist, and I'm the founder of the brand Into the Wild. And I'm Catherine Lund, and I'm also a herbalist, and I'm a health and wellbeing blogger. And welcome to this episode of So Talking Health with Dr. Kate Thomas. And this is one interview that I'm really excited to bring to you because it was an absolute joy to record. Dr. Kate Thomas is a women's spiritual empowerment mentor. The work she does is amazing, isn't it, Cathy? Oh, it really, really is. I loved recording this episode as well. So Dr. Kate is a highly trained psychic mentor and teacher with a doctoral degree in philosophical theology from the University of Oxford. She helps women and non-binary people harness their inner power, feel fulfilled and capture new opportunities. I mean, there's a lot there, isn't there? But the interview was just one of those where I actually didn't want it to stop. But I mean, because she had so many great ideas and she explained them so well. And for every question I asked her, I, I wanted to then ask her 10 follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was just one of those ones that could have gone in a hundred ways. Um, the thing that I really like about her work is how she um, brings in Eastern and Western uh, philosophical doctrines as well um, and kind of melds those together to be something really useful for women today. And that was another key thing, wasn't it? It was about... I think at the heart, really, a lot, of what she, a lot of what she does is this idea of empowerment, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, that's something that I really believe in personally as well. So, yeah, it was it was really great um, interview. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy recording it. The way that I would describe myself and the work that I do. So I work with women primarily and also non-binary people to teach them ancient spiritual practices that radically improve the quality of their of their lives really that's the that's the primary emphasis of my work um, I've worked for the last 22 years as a, a psychic and that's how um, I think a lot of people first come across me is um, through my my readings because I've had a, a lot of celebrity clients and I work with a large collection of or I did work with a large collection of corporate um, companies large companies Um, but I'm moving away now from doing offering one-to-one readings and instead the emphasis is on teaching the skills really that I have to women so that they are not needing to rely so much on on psychic readings or indeed on on any other sort of support it's really I suppose teaching women ancient practices and skills that allow them to really make the best out of their lives. That sounds fascinating because reading around about you and the work you do, I felt that's absolutely at the core of your work. It's about empowerment and particularly female empowerment. And it's so important, isn't it? Tell us why you think it's important. I know as a woman out there in the big bad world, so to speak, um, feeling, you know, feeling empowered. It's a challenge as a woman, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, of course, because we live under white supremacy, capitalist patriarchy which you know these three forms of structural oppression are really kind of key to maintaining um the status quo and and the status quo at the moment of course is that majority of if not all power is held by cis white men so as somebody that's not um a cis white man anyone that's not a cis white man it's going to be just structurally extremely hard to access a sense of intrinsic power and let alone access any sort of structural power, i.e. in the day-to-day world, the material world that we live in, the organizations we have to engage with, even the way, well, even the way, especially the way that we're socialized, that's different from people that are socialized as men, all, all of which is conditioning us to not 
be in touch with our sense of self, our sense of purpose, to not value what we can do or, or what we're capable of. And so for me, it's become, it has always been really important actually to work specifically and particularly with people who do not have access to structure, structural power and specifically women, because I think that once women have particular tools and particular practices that they're comfortable with and, and, and that they can go to in order to improve their lives, then the whole world improves. Like everything is, is, is ultimately gets better. So for me, my desire to work particularly with women came from working for so many years with, with anyone um, as a psychic, but particularly I noticed that I wanted to give access to extra information, for example, or you know, hidden, hidden pieces of knowledge or guidance. I wanted to give that access to that and teach women themselves how to access that to people who were disadvantaged, that were not, you know, um, culturally and socially empowered. It, it became really important for me that if I was able to access extra information or extra energy or extra anything, that that energy, information and guidance should go to the most vulnerable. And, you know, the, the absolutely some of the most vulnerable people in, in all societies and cultures are, are those that are not men, but women in particular. Not in a way here. What do you think, Kathy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that's really interesting to access all of those um, practices that have possibly been lost in in that kind of patriarchal and that white male cis dominant culture that we live in. It's something that I'm really interested in as well. Um, what what kind of cultures do you draw on? Because um, I think sometimes as well, people can confuse spirituality with religion as well right. and I think that's that's probably an important thing to point out isn't it that there's a definite difference there um and I just find that yeah I just find that fascinating um obviously yeah you're using tarot and crystals but what other tools are you accessing so yes the distinction between religion and spirituality is definitely really really important and yes. <laughs> one can have we, one can have one without the other um Absolutely. and certainly although I have um both an academic and sort of social upbringing in that's sort of heavily influenced by various religions the the way that I teach and the tools that I teach are are truly spiritual tools so they're non-denominational not religious at all um, the tradition the spiritual tradition that I am trained in uh, is really broadly understood as the western esoteric tradition so what that means is uh, a school of thought or a collection of schools really of, of thought that draw from um well abrahamic religion so judaism christianity but also in the 19th century there was this huge um expansion well due to colonialism of course which is really important to to, to acknowledge but a huge expansion in the interest in interest in um what were then considered to be Eastern spiritual practices. So Hinduism, um, the Vedic uh, texts were became super important. And these are all part of um, what is now considered the Western esoteric tradition. So the Western esoteric tradition is a, a kind of multi-streamed um, collection of mystical practices such as meditation, particular forms of visualization, um, particular practices to manifest certain things. Um, manifestation is a, a word that a lot of people 
I think misused, particularly in, in the yeah. new age these yeah. days, but, but really all it means is sort of clearing the, the path to that which you desire, I suppose is, is the best way. Um, and so the practices that I teach, although they are um, ultimately connected and, and from this Western esoteric tradition that has its roots in the Abrahamic and the um, Vedic um, traditions, they're, they're really universally found across almost all religious traditions. There's a mystical element and these same practices of meditation of visualization occur again and again. So what I do with women is over the course of a 12 month um, program. So it's a 12 month mentorship over the course of a year in a group setting. Um, I teach them the, these core processes, these core practices in the context of, of community so nobody ever feels like they're you know learning these new practices on their own they have a, a a whole group of 35 other women that are also going through the same transformation that's really good and that's also a, a bit of a yeah it's a community and people can feel like they can support each other and things like that as well right I was just thinking important. that in the community side it sounds hugely important it's almost like having a bit of um peer group support is as well is, is that yeah yeah, I think a key a key sort of lie that we, particularly as women, have been told is that we've got two options. We either accept sort of patriarchal oppression as we see it, um, and you know get get on with it, or we reject it and then have have to choose to be this sort of misindependent. This trope yeah. of like the independent woman is is pushed so heavily, particularly in in Western culture, and I think it is just not the case that those are our, our options. And in fact individualism is um, and independence is something that's not only impossible it's literally not it's not possible none of us can live without the other or without community broadly but it's also really really toxic and leads to all sorts of deeply dysfunctional social systems so for me everything that I do it needs to be part of a community and it needs to really explicitly acknowledge that none of us, none of us um, can ever achieve anything whatsoever, uh, isolated and independently. We are all totally reliant on, on, on each other. And when it comes to spiritual growth and the development of these sort of spiritual practices that have the capacity to change your life, I think recognizing the need to be vulnerable with safe people is, is a core learning that really you know one one has to experience and then one gets and then it changes changes everything oh my goodness that's, I'm, I'm nodding again nodding away here and um as you say I think it feels like we're just too quick to label each other aren't we and uh, that label of independent woman you just honestly I feel like it weighs so heavily on my shoulders at times because yeah. it's restrictive isn't it I suppose it's people wanting to acknowledge you you know you can you know women can do so much today that perhaps they couldn't do in previous years but at the same time it's just pigeonholing you people isn't mm. it yeah but I also think absolutely I also think that it's you know um feeds into a, a particular type of understanding about human nature itself which sort of is very inaccurate and 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 very unhelpful like the whole idea of the independent woman it, it feels to me very closely tied to a Thatcherist sort of politics also whereby the individual and everything is like this personal crusade to like better yourself um, and I and I just think you know god how how awful I can't imagine anything anything worse but also it's not, it, it's, 
you know, when we when we try and ask the bigger question of like, what is the purpose of everything? What's the purpose of what any of us are all doing? Surely, surely it must be to protect the most vulnerable in our community. And that is how we grow. That is where joy comes from. That's where a sense of purpose for everyone, actually, I think. And so this idea of independence is like a guaranteed way of feeling disconnected. And when we feel disconnected from our community or our sense of, of, of self, then we feel utterly disconnected from our purpose, our sense of any of the divine that we may have a concept of um, each other that, that, you know, I think independence is so much more dangerous than, than we're, we often imagine. Um, because it, 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 it's this, this sort of sense of like looking out for yourself beyond others m- really feeds into this absolute fallacy that we are separate to each other. We're not, we're, we're, we're really not, you know, that's, that's the illusion. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you've kind of brought up on that whole image around Thatcher and things. It's so mm. strong and dominant in our culture, this idea of the independent woman. It almost feels like it's got a very masculine edge to it. It, it kind of brings to mind for me ideas of competition ruthlessness whereas I think as women certainly the experiences that I've had have really played out we we are very strong in collaboration and that's right. really where a massive a massive um strength of feminine energy is actually we can create so much together yeah yeah completely I mean I I even want to sort of challenge these ideas of masculine and feminine concepts you know like where did we get those from and who's telling us what's masculine and what's feminine (laughs) I think that it's a very patriarchal energy the Thatcherist sort of focus on on the individual I think it's a a particularly capitalist energy and I always feel like you know, much like the story around money or what people, what women particularly are taught about, about money. Um, we, we're, when we think of money, we do associate it with men. We do associate it with, quote, the masculine. And really that's because it has been through patriarchy that capitalism has sustained and capitalism is what we associate with money. So it's this sort of trying to unpick all of the stories that we've been socialized with and and challenging them and pulling them apart what what who is to say that you know money for example is is quote masculine why not make it a a woman why not make money a a a, a female energy or a femme energy to use an even more specific term um so so i think you know these these sorts of stories that often are running unconsciously that we all we all have running including myself of course are it's so important to to start to recognize them, identify them, and then unpick them, and then ask ourselves, oh God, if I've been believing this, if I have this idea of what it is to be a woman, or what it is to be wealthy, or what it is to be um, powerful, what what else have, have I subconsciously absorbed, and what what other stories am I am I running in the background that are actually impacting how I make decisions and choices, and therefore the life that I that I lead. And, and that, I suppose, is a, a, another core part of the work that I do is trying to, in, in, I suppose, invite a critical engagement with these subconscious narratives that we, we all have running. So we have a hope of, of creating the life that we want, because I tell you what, if we don't know what the subconscious narratives are that are running that are sabotaging us, we will never manage to create a life that, that, is, that is good for us. Yeah. This this sounds so fascinating, but I'm wondering, Kate, um, 
you talk about your work evolving there and how did you get into this because um, in, if that's not too clumsy way of phrasing the question because is it a field you've always worked in or are, like a lot of people was there perhaps a previous life where you you know you worked in the office you did the nine to five and then moved into a different field um so yeah I've always always done this really I've also also done a whole collection of other things at, at the same time yeah. or or as an escape from from this work I suppose because uh I mean I've been working professionally as a psychic for for 20 years um and I started when I was very young um 17 mm. and well gosh that makes means it's been 22 years um <laughs> but um yes I I always I grew up with an extra an ability to sort of hear and see all sorts of extra bits of information I didn't really understand you know what it was what was happening and my family were not in any way um open or or it wasn't available to them I suppose is the best most compassionate way of putting it um supporting me or understanding my experience of the world was not available to them and therefore not available to me and so it took a very very long time for me to understand that the way in which I engage with the world is not neurotypical in any way it's not normal um, but that it could also be hugely powerful and positive and healing and helpful to others. So, um, yeah, from the age of 17 onwards, I, I read tarot cards and my career as a psychic sort of very, very quickly took off despite me not really wanting it to. So I never wanted to be a psychic, absolutely definitely didn't want to be a psychic, um, was extremely keen to... Um, actually my plan was to be a, a a barrister which is hilarious to me now of course so many years later but um I went to university did my first degree in in classics specialized in ancient Greek and then realized that's not really what I wanted to do so I went back to um reading cards and then ended up training as a crystal healer I was fascinated by this and became very strongly connected to crystals uh, I love crystals still to this day um and yes basically that that sort of my career just kept um I just was very fortunate and very good at what I did and so collected various clients some of which were pretty famous and then other people started to know about me and then I had my first book published um and that's it really I mean in in between all of this happening I took a year out here and there to to pursue academia again so I went back to university um, to do a master's in the philosophy of religion so I was so interested in in the experiences I was having and trying to understand what they what they might mean what they might be about um, and of course academic philosophy of religion gave me absolutely no answers whatsoever <laughs> I might laugh at my naivety at thinking it might but um yes then then went back to the business that I have full time um and then a few years later again got bored of just reading cards and, and felt frustrated intellectually so decided to pursue a, a PhD in fact in um philosophical theology so specifically looking at the ways in which um, people like me, I guess, so women that that have these extra ways of gaining access to information, how their role has changed um, specifically in reference to the Catholic Church. Um, and so I did a, a, a four-year PhD at 
Oxford on on that and and at the end of that was like I'm done with academia I definitely don't need to do this anymore we're all good I've got my guaranteed done everything you know it's as far as I can go um and so went back full-time to to the business and um yes so that's that's the sort of quick brief story of it really yeah that's really interesting does do you find that anything from your academic life um kind of feeds into your spiritual work now as well do you do you reference it do you draw something from it for yourself absolutely yeah I think that my um academic work was it is sort of really integral to being able to engage with these practices these spiritual practices these traditions with a critical eye and I think this is so important um Mm. so much of what I think is is wrong with with a a lot of the spiritual world's self-development the new age broadly construed is that it's so deeply anti-intellectual and so uh, not interested in actual critical engagement there's not very much thought it's all um, very low level quite shallow and often extremely problematic and part of the 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 ways in which so much of the new age and, and and specifically spiritual um new age spirituality is problematic is the reason for that is because it has no history nobody really has ever done the reading nobody really knows the sources and i think that although it's not necessary for everybody to be you know to have a phd in mysticism in order to be a spiritual practitioner absolutely that's not the case but i do think it is important to have a a very basic understanding of where certain concepts and ideas come from in order to be able to decide is this something that's useful for me or is this actually part of a broader picture which I don't want to have anything to do with Um, so you know of course there's a, a, a very important conversation being had over the last couple of years really but certainly ramped up recently over cultural appropriation and and spiritual practice and I think this is essential it's such an important um discussion to to have but also it's you know it's actually very very important if if somebody if one is truly invested and interested in um spiritual development and personal growth it's important that each individual person each one of us um really examines the ways in which we have benefited are benefiting particularly those of us that are white from many many hundreds of years centuries of cultural appropriation and 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 straight up theft and colonialism and i think it's important on a spiritual level because otherwise you're just not engaging with the reality of um you know these practices even my you know my first book which was published I think 13 years ago now very long time ago was called Chakra Crystals now like I would never allow a book to be published with that title now unfortunately I had no say then and no say now or I would have had say then I'd have you know I could have refused to have the book published but it wasn't even a conversation that people were having around um you know cultural appropriation that title wasn't considered to be problematic in any way i mean f- for most people now it's not considered to be problematic but it's problematic um because you know it's not um appropriate i think is the right way of, of putting it for people that are specifically for me as a white woman that has absolutely no um, ancestral link to uh, the vedic tradition um 
tangentially, I could say, well, I'm in the Western esoteric tradition, which has got its links through versions many years, you know, hundreds of years back to Vedic philosophy. But, you know, I'm creating and writing a book called um, Chakra Crystals, and it's marketed to predominantly um, that publisher, a white audience. I think there's a problem with that if there is no critical engagement and discussion of where what what a chakra is what where which what's the sanskrit tradition that it comes from why do we know about that sanskrit tradition what's the actual history of the west engaging with indian traditions because the actual history of the west engaging with indian traditions is horrific it's yeah. literal theft and murder um so do you see what i mean it's a good example i suppose of like why i think having this sort of critical engagement is is so important because this is how one deepens one's sense of self, one's realization that we're all connected and um, certainly therefore one's spiritual um, identity and, and experience. Just, just to kind of follow that theme, because I'm actually really, really interested in that, um, the concept of what you're talking about. Also, we've also, in a European tradition, we've also got the... Um, traditions that are in from the Scandinavian area like the northern tradition and things mm -hmm. is that are you do you have an interest in that does that ever come into your work um it's just it's just a personal it's a personal yeah, interest absolutely. Of it's, yeah um, absolutely it does so so my um actual sort of blood ancestry um is all northern Europe and central yeah. and northern Europe and so um the that ancestral work that that I've done and the lineage the sort of physical lineage that I come from is all of those traditions yeah. and so I think this is part of the the importance and the and the and the the benefit of these conversations around cultural appropriation is that they also uncover the ways in which we as um, particularly as British people, I think, specifically as British people, we are not encouraged to um, resource from our own backgrounds and our own ancestry and our, you know, because had had this conversation, had I have, someone had a conversation with me about this when I was writing the book, it would have been so much easier, so, so much more valuable and so much more powerful, I think, to um, for me at that time to have explored my own ancestral spiritual lineage as it pertains to working with stones and crystals with which there is a huge huge um, you know history and a rich a rich uh, tradition and I think that um, the, the the irony about the way in which so much of the new age now is sort of commercializing <clears throat> basically stolen knowledge and um, traditions is that they're they're then then and part of the major problem with it is that they're not whole traditions. So when you buy a book like mine called Chakra Crystals, yes, you're going to learn about chakras, but you're going to learn like 1% of what there is to learn about chakras without any of the spiritual traditions context, without any of the um, social context that makes that meaningful. And the only reason that chakras are even involved in that book at all is because when it was published, that's what everybody was talking about and what everybody was interested in. I, I literally showed up at my publisher with saying, oh, I've got all these crystal meditations. I meditate with crystals and they take me on these journeys. It's amazing. Um, and they were like, great, we'll call it chakra crystals. Do one for each energy center. You know, like that's, yeah. that's how this shit happens. And, and so it's like, wow, there was a great opportunity missed there to really deepen a connection to, you know, as, as a, 
broadly British person, uh, my own spiritual tradition, and also to, um, you know, encourage other people to explore their own ancestry in that in that in that empowering way yeah absolutely absolutely no it's something that absolutely fascinates me as well so yeah no thank you for thank you thank you Kate I mean um there's it's so much packed in there. I feel like we've covered so much ground, but we're, we are going, we are up against the clock. So um, I really think you've given a lot of people a lot of it to go away and think about. In fact, I've been making notes about things I want to read up on. So kind of um, it, that brings me to really the sort of last couple of questions. So I think first, um, tell us, if somebody went on your website, tell us, go back to the bit you spoke about a little bit at the beginning about this 12-month program and why people will sort of come come to you uh, particularly over the past year I imagine there's been a bit of change yes and yes and no about the about the past year um it's, it's okay. interesting um so so yes my my 12 month um, mentorship is called the spiritual life upgrade and it's yes 12 12 months um and I think the, the people that really benefit hugely and, and that um I created the program for are women that for most people they'd probably recognize or think that their lives were pretty good you know it's not like there's any sort of huge necessarily any huge major problem but that they feel that there's something missing um something that's not quite right something that is um disconnecting them from a sense of purpose or direction or and or disconnecting them from a sense of the spiritual and and uh, connection to the divine um and so in terms of has it changed over the last year not really, because I think although what COVID has done is, you know, makes people aware of what is really important, that is, it's always been those people that have been super hyper aware of like reprioritizing their lives that I have wanted to work with. So if anything, I suppose it's not that it's changed over this last year, it's just that um, more, perhaps more people are in a situation where they're being confronted with the fact that even if they have extremely successful careers, even if you know they've got a great marriage, even if they have neither of those things, but they're okay or they're happy, if there's something wrong, they're aware of it and they're ready to do the work to make it better. Um, those those are the people that I get really excited about working working with, and um, I invite five women each month to join. So it's sort of limited. Um, so the group is a, a very well hand hand picked, which always sounds really it's not elitist, but I always worry about how to describe it. I, I only work with women that are really in a place where I know for sure that their investment will be hugely, hugely uh, worthwhile for them. You know, I'm only going to work with women that I know I can dramatically help. Um, and so I limit it to, to, to sort of five women a month. And yes, you can find information about this on, on my website. Absolutely. That was my um, next question, because we are we yes. have to come to an end. I love the fact that, you know, this idea that although change has been forced upon a lot of us, it does mean that we, it, it, I love this idea that perhaps people are open to, to making change or to responding to that. So where can people um, go to your website? Uh, uh, DrKateThomas.com, I'm going to guess. That's right, yes, and it's Thomas <laughs> without, without an H, which is always confusing to people. Um, and also Instagram, I'm on Instagram. That's a, 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 um, my primary platform, I guess. That's where I'm most That's lovely. Active. What's your name on that? Is it Kate Thomas as well? It, yeah, it's Kate Thomas PhD. 
So we should make clear it's K-A-T-E and then Thomas is T-O-M-A-S. That's right. Yep, that's right. That's lovely. Um, we've got a minute left. Uh, Kathy, uh, Kay, anything you'd like to add? It's been absolutely fascinating. And I feel like there's three or four more episodes we could make about some of those topics that have been raised here. <laughs> but, but Kay, how's it been for you? Is there anything you'd like, any message that you'd like to send off uh, for it to our listeners? Um, no, just, you know, if you feel like something is not right in your life and there's like this niggling feeling, pay attention to it because that will not go away unless you do something about it. That is so true. It's exactly where I'm at at the moment in my life. I'd say <laughs> that's, you know, through life we evolve, don't we? Um, Kathy, have, thank you, Kate. Sorry to talk over you there. Um, Kate, um, sorry, Kate. Kathy, how's it been for you? Yeah, no, really, really good. I could, I could, I want to talk with Kate a lot longer. <laughs> we, we, always run out, we, we always run out of time. We could just go I on know, forever. I know, I know. So. Kate, can we reserve oh, the right to, to revisit you at some point and uh, check sure. in the future series? <laughs> Lovely. Of course, absolutely. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. Yes, you too. Thank you so much.